Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. My Believe in Broncos podcast is presented by my friends at Superbook Sports. They have the most favorable pricing and better odds. They are the leader in Las Vegas for over 30 years. They have extensive wagering menu for everything you want to bet. And the mobile app, it's now available at Superbook.com. Coming soon, they will be at the Lodge Casino in Blackhawk. So sign up today and start betting. Welcome to the Believe in Broncos podcast. I am your host, Troy Rink from Denver 7. Happy to be with you all this afternoon. Hope you're doing well. We've got actual football to talk about. And of course, stuff off the football field. But the Broncos, after originally saying they were going to boycott in April, off-season activities had nearly 90% attendance this week as they've received some concessions and how these workouts will go. Less 11-on-11, some of the drills tweaked as... Justin Simmons admitted they needed the work. They're glad to be back. So for the most part, all Broncos that aren't rehabbing or dealing with COVID are in attendance. So that has framed this week. It has been an important and big week for the Broncos as they try to end their five-year playoff drought and four straight years of losing season. So upcoming on the program, it's going to be me addressing several topics Number one on this week's show, to QB or not QB? That is the question. It's always the question with the Broncos. They've had 10 starters since Peyton Manning. But we, for the first time this offseason, we were able to speak with Drew Locke and Teddy Bridgewater. Teddy's two gloves were in attendance at practice, and they were orange. Thanks for asking. And we also heard this week from Aaron Rodgers and the rumor and the connections to the Broncos that frankly won't go away. And so we will touch on that. Also, Vaughn Miller spoke. And it's clear, Vaughn is ready at age 33 that he will play out this season to silence critics. And he wants to beat the Chiefs. He's tired of the Chiefs, as he said, beating their ass. And he wants a different outcome. He haven't beaten the Chiefs in five years. And what's up with Cortland Sutton and how important his return could be to the Broncos' offense? So let's get started, shall we? We're able to talk with the quarterbacks this week and able to watch them in a limited viewing period, probably about 30, 40 minutes on Monday. Uh, Again, the NFL protocols are different than most every other sport and what you're allowed to see. And in the offseason before training camp, we don't get to see much. But we were able to watch Drew Locke and Teddy Bridgewater practice. This was the first time we'd seen Teddy Bridgewater in a Broncos uniform. And we'll start there with Teddy. Teddy is the ultimate teammate, and he demonstrated that in the way he talked in his first press conference. He talked about waking up every day with the competition mindset, believing he has to prove himself, but more importantly saying he wants to be a good teammate, 
wants to help teammates become better people, better uh, and better people in their field and in their life, and also help this team win. It's very obvious within a couple minutes of listening to Teddy and talking to people about Teddy why Broncos GM George Payton wanted him here. Uh, he knows him well. They drafted him in Minnesota when George Payton was there. He watched him recover from a gruesome knee injury that, you know, it, for moments thought it might take his life, certainly thought it would take his football career. He's rebounded, um, but it didn't work out last year in Carolina. After a strong start, hurt his knee, he struggled down the stretch. Perhaps, uh, you know, the, obviously the, the loss of Christian McCaffrey hurt his stats, but he did not play particularly well, and it became a one-and-done in Carolina. And he knew that. Uh, it became clear that it wasn't going to work out going forward. And so he began researching uh, next stops for him, almost like a free agent. And he landed very quickly on the Broncos. Obviously, he knew George Payton. That helped. But he told us that he liked the history of the organization, the history of the city, that it's a football town. They want to win. And so it wasn't like he went into this blindly. Again, the Broncos acquired him, but it was almost as if Bridgewater chose them the way this trade was put together. And they're paying him roughly around $4 million, all said and done. So it's back backup money. And uh, that allows you to at least understand the move from that regard. But Teddy was at practice on Monday. The one thing that strikes me about Teddy, and it always comes out when you watch him, he's accurate. He's accurate with the football. Last year, I think it was 69% accuracy rating. Compare that to Drew Locke at 57%. This is a guy who's going to put the ball where it needs to go. He doesn't take a lot of chances. He's not a guy who's prolific with the deep ball. And if he starts, he might have to expand that this season with Cortland Sutton and Jerry Judy. But what I saw from Teddy Bridgewater is a guy who looks comfortable in his own skin, a guy who certainly has leadership qualities. You know, he's not threatened by Drew Locke as much as trying to work in collaboration to get the best out of the quarterback room. Some quarterbacks do that. Others, you know, the stars, I, I, whether it was Joe Flacco or a Peyton Manning, a Tom Brady, they're not going to sit and mentor anyone. And that's not Teddy's job. His job is not to mentor Drew Locke. They have coaches for that. It always, you know, it, it surprises me when people say, this guy should be his mentor. Not when you're competing for a job or trying to, you know, save your career. This could be the last best chance for Teddy Bridgewater to be a starter in the NFL. But he's going to be a good teammate. He and Drew are not that far apart in age, 28 to 24. But again, what you see and what I saw with my own eyes from Teddy is just he commands respect. Teammates appreciate him. They appreciate his story. And they clearly appreciate the way he treats people. And that's all good. I mean, that's all good in the locker room. Again, the Broncos are to the point, though, they needed to translate onto the field. But for the first impression of Teddy Bridgewater is... He's very mature. He's a high-character guy. And you can see that even if he weren't to win the starting job, how they would have a place for him on this team. Uh, and so that makes it make more sense. It still doesn't excite Bronco fans. It still is a bit of shrug shoulders and khaki pants at the quarterback position. But I'll tell you this, if Teddy Bridgewater were my backup, I'd love it. Teddy Bridgewater, as a starter, has to be better than he was a year ago if the Broncos are going to win 10 games and reach the playoffs. And then that brings us to Drew Locke. Some say incumbent. I wouldn't say that. He's not anymore. Uh, it's an open competition for the starting job. And Drew Locke is in a better place this year for a number of reasons. One, 
he has an offseason that resembles something of normalcy. And he has the same offensive coordinator for the second straight year. And thirdly, he was humbled by last season. He understands, I think, the gravity of the position. It's not that he didn't know it, what it is to be the quarterback of the Denver Broncos. To me, it's the most high-profile position in the state, with all apologies to the mayor and the governor. There's no more high-profile position in the state of Colorado than being the quarterback of the Denver Broncos. And I think the gravity of that, he finally felt this offseason that how does he keep that? How does he maintain job security? And there is not the, the expiration date on Broncos quarterbacks is about as long as the, uh, you know, the grapes you might buy at the store. It's just you don't have a lot of time to figure it out. And I think all of that came to a head with Drew this offseason. And to his credit, he didn't pout, soul, complain. You know, all he did was put his head down and work. And what I liked about it is he applied his work independent of all the rumors. And he even told us, regardless of whether I was going to be here, somewhere else, be the man, I needed to get better. And that started with him breaking down cuts of of film of himself in this offense. That is very advantageous in football. Baseball, it's an individual sport. You watch your swing. You can do it, and it doesn't matter what team you play on. I mean, I've said that about baseball. It's essentially a bunch of solo performances within a concert. Football is the ultimate team sport, and the scheme you run offensively matters. And for a quarterback to be in a scheme a second straight year, for Drew, again, this is like only the second time this has happened to him since he repeated his scheme with Josh Heupel at the University of Missouri. And when he did that, he had great results. So we'll see if he's able to extend that success and that pattern this year. But what he did was he basically put his head down and said, I thought I worked hard last year, and he did, but I got to work hard and I got to work differently. There's one thing to work hard. It's another thing to work hard and do the right things to get better. It's almost like weight loss. Like you can do some of the right things, but if you run and then you have a terrible diet, you're not going to see perhaps the gains you want. And with Drew, I think he learned from all this experience, like, okay, I got to get my footwork better. I've got to analyze more film and make better decisions and process information more quickly. Because that's what I saw last year is he was not processing information as quickly as he would have liked. His default was to move right, not climb the pocket. That put him in harm's way, not only for injury, which we saw at Pittsburgh, but certainly in harm's way in terms of turnovers with the 16 interceptions. So what he did, he put his head down. He basically adopted a routine that was get up and work out, go somewhere and throw. Eventually that was with some of his receivers with like Jerry Judy and KJ Hamler. Get on Zoom meetings, then go back, follow his diet. He had met with the Broncos nutritionist uh, prior to the offseason, so follow his diet, then do more throwing, and then watch more film. As he said, it was Groundhog Day, and for Drew, Groundhog Day in a good way. The other thing he did was he received a call from Peyton Manning. Peyton Manning wanting to get his football fix, as it was stated in uh, Ryan O'Halloran's article for the Denver Post. Peyton knew Drew from their time, as I've written about, at the Manning Passing Academy. And Peyton has some free time. It's amazing because he lives his best life and travels everywhere. But he wanted his football fix, and he does this where he he wants to break down film. So for roughly 10 hours, 9 hours over a couple days, 
He had Drew over at his house, and he's got that setup where he does the ESPN detail program. Uh, so he has this great setup. Go over film with Drew and break it down. What does he see? Show Peyton. Peyton would show his own film, then show Drew's film, and they look at how they make decisions. And Drew was asking him questions, and that became obvious when we talked to Drew this week. I asked him about that. He said he'll be forever grateful for the times Peyton spent with him and for having Peyton in his corner. Peyton wants Drew to succeed. He likes Teddy Bridgewater as well. He wants the Broncos quarterback to succeed. And he doesn't draw any pleasure in the fact they've had 10 starters since he retired. I mean, that's what has led to the downfall of the Cleveland Browns until Baker Mayfield. And I mean, if you want to look at and find a team that struggles in the NFL over the last 15, 20 years, just to look how many starting quarterbacks they have. The more they've had, the less they win. It's proportional in almost every case. Um, but he sits down, Drew Locke, Peyton Manning, go over film. Look at what he's doing. And you've seen, I've seen some slight adjustments in Drew Locke's footwork, things that he's clearly probably picked up from Manning. Manning is the ultimate when it comes to everything matters. Nuance is how he lives his life. Like for us and most of us, like a nuance is something that that's interesting. Peyton Manning lives in the nuances where everything is important. And with Drew Locke listening to that, you know, with Peyton, he would find keys on film that if a guy would have his left foot forward, the safety by one foot, when they would get ready to snap, he would know where he was going to go. And then the first time he saw him lined up differently, maybe his foot and his feet were squared. He would know to audible. I mean, that's what I, when I say Peyton, nothing escaped him and the amount of detail he had, in his film sessions, I mean, it was mind-numbing, breathtaking. I, I mean, quick story and a tangent. When I started, first started covering the Broncos again, I watched he and Emmanuel Sanders on a hot supper, summer camp day work on goal line drills and goal line audibles by themselves and just going over the audibles for like 30 minutes with just going through Peyton kind of illustrating, you know, against ghosts, essentially calling it out, moving a manual over, moving. Okay, here, you're going to be here. And then you would watch it on Sunday and you'd see it play out. And you'd be like, it's not a surprise because he was, had all the answers before the test. And so whatever Drew Locke can gain from Peyton Manning is a positive. Can he turn it into something that translates on game day? And that is the key. If Drew Locke can take from Peyton Manning, essentially life hacks or QB hacks that allow him to see things more quickly and dissect it more quickly on game day, over center, in shotgun, that's going to translate to success. Uh, just knowing the information is a start, but the ability for a quarterback to succeed in the NFL comes down to athleticism, arm strength. We know all that. There's a, a baseline required, but the good ones understand what they're seeing over the middle of the field. They understand basically all the sand traps and banana peels that the defense is throwing out at them and the disguises, and they're able to get to the right receiver on time. And sometimes with Drew, when he's late, what, what, I, what I saw happen, and I talked to other analysts about this, when you're a little late, and I'm not talking like it's a fog over the middle of the field, but when you're a little late over the middle of the field, then you tend to overcorrect quickly. And with Drew, we saw that where he'd fly open and mechanics would suffer and then the ball might go high on him or it's a, just a little less accurate than he needs it to be. 
So if he's able to process information a little more quickly, understand what he's seen, that should translate to better mechanics and that should translate to better accuracy. So again, we'll see how this all translates. I like the edge that Drew Locke had. I think sometimes he goes a little overboard on, you know, I can't wait to prove all the people wrong and prove everything wrong. Everyone's written about me. He didn't really get caught up that. It was more of a different Drew and he shouldn't get caught up in that. If I'm him, I'm more worried about and more focused about proving those who believe in me right. Don't worry about proving people wrong. Broncos country wants him to succeed. They want the quarterback of the Broncos to succeed. And it is a incredibly hard position. But Drew has a clear mindset. He circled the wagons, tightened his inner circle, said he's not worried about the Aaron Rodgers rumors. He's not worried about any of that. He just put his head down and has gone to work. And teammates have noticed. Again, it has to translate. Teddy Bridgewater, his, his mindset, again, is competition. It's winning the job, but also being a good teammate. The Broncos are in a better position than they were a year ago because if one starts, they at least have a guy they can go to in the bullpen to save them. But each, whether it's Teddy Bridgewater or Drew Locke, they have to play significantly better than they did last year. And Drew, clearly for me, has the higher upside. And he could still win this job, but he has to take care of the ball in training camp. And for Teddy... He's got to play like he did like the first eight, nine games of last season. Not like the guy he looked like last year when he was a little hurt and making poor decisions with the football, struggling in the red zone and in the two-minute drill. But they are in a better position than they were a year ago. But all everyone keeps wondering and wondering, wondering and with a wandering eye about is, of course, Aaron Rodgers. It's the story that won't go away. And it's because this time, this week, Aaron Rodgers spoke on SportsCenter to Kenny Mayne. And he really did nothing to squelch the idea that there's an issue in Green Bay. Uh, he had an, kind of a, he had a, as a love for Kenny Mayne, the ESPN sportscaster. I, I really like Kenny. He's so irreverent. I've met Kenny. We talked one time over dinner in Seattle during the Broncos preseason game. He does some fantastic work off the field for soldiers and other stuff he does. He is just irreverent and different and funny and unique. And Aaron Rodgers was attracted to that. So he appears on SportsCenter on Monday night and Kenny Maine's last SportsCenter before leaving ESPN. And he basically says that the issue is with the culture there, that there's an issue that you're not trusting the people, the people that make it go. And to me, it, it looked like, you know, my read on the situation is that he loves his teammates. He loves Green Bay, or at least, you know, he's saying he does. He loves winning, but he just doesn't trust the front office's moves the last few years. And it was all set in motion with the draft pick of Jordan Love. And then, you know, they've let Jordy Nelson go. They've let his, his center go to the Chargers. They've let other players that he liked go. And it's clear that he wants to have a real conversation at some point with the decision makers there and wants to be consulted. Whether he wants to be the GM, quasi-GM, I'm not going to say that. I know Aaron's incredibly intelligent. Nothing he says is by accident. And the read on that was, man, there's some still deep-seated issues, deep-rooted issues here that he just doesn't trust You know, the, his relationship with Packers upper management, the president, Mark uh, Murphy, and the GM. And that's why we have to keep an eye on that. The Packers have shown no willingness to trade Aaron Rodgers. If they were to do it, it certainly would be after June 1st when they could spread out 
a $38 million cap hit over two years that we've talked about here on the pod. But there are some real issues that remain with Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. And so where do they go? Well, until that issue resolves itself, the Broncos have to be nimble. We've talked about that. What would that deal look like? Again, probably for me, two first, a second, three first, and a Judy, Jerry Judy, and another player. You're not getting seven guys. I get asked, is anyone untouchable? I don't think they are, but it doesn't mean you can have all of them. You're going to get three ones and two players probably, or say three ones, a two, and a player. And so we'll see. It is just definitely what I, the reason I bring Rodgers back up in this podcast is because of the fact what he said on SportsCenter with Kenny Maine has done nothing to squelch the idea that he might leave, that he might force their hand where they might finally say, you know what, enough. We're trading this guy. It's never going to work out here. We're ready to move on. So, again, if I think if they thought Jordan Love was ready to play and succeed this year, I think they would. Uh, it's just Aaron Rodgers is so damn good. It's coming off an MVP season. They understand when you look around, when you move on from a legacy quarterback, good luck. I watched it play out with the Broncos and Peyton Manning. You saw it last year with Tom Brady and the Patriots. It sounds like a great idea to get younger and more athletic at a position until you do it and move on from a first ballot, top five all-time quarterback. Then the reality clobbers you over the head. So, again, uh, the quarterbacks have spoken. The derby has begun. The real work will begin in training camp when it's 11-on-11 in pads, and those hopefully there will be a decision. Uh, one way or the other, if it's Locker, uh, Rod, excuse me, Lock or Bridgewater in the first couple of weeks of training camp. If it's Rodgers, all bets are off, and I'm sure I'll see you out of training camp because it will be packed out there at UC Health Training Center. Well, when we come back, what did Von Miller say about his future in Denver, and was it ever in doubt? We'll talk about that after the break. My show is presented in part by Hoggett Injury Law. With us, it's personal. Speaking of personal, let me tell you about my friend Darby Hoggett. I've known Darby for about a decade, coached his son in travel baseball. We used to hang out at games, talk about sports, especially the Denver Broncos. He's a big fan. We have become good friends. In fact, many of his clients have become his good friends. You don't even have to pay Darby up front. If your case goes as planned, Darby will be the one writing checks to you. If you've been hurt in a car wreck or injured at work, give his team a call at one 1- 833-HOGGIT. That's 1-833-H-O-G-G-A-T-T. Or find out more, visit their website at www.hoggetlaw.com. So we heard from Von Miller this week. And yes, I am your host, Troy Rink, for the Believe in Broncos podcast. You can see me on Denver 7 uh, nightly during the season, two or three times a week, uh, in my Rink and File report on Saturdays on Denver 7. Um but we have finally heard from Von Miller. First things first, he was asked, of course, about his legal case. And it wasn't, remember, he was not charged, which, you know, again, we reported at Denver 7 that it involved uh, domestic abuse. He was not charged by the Parker police. They raised it. They put it to the DA. DA elected not to press charges. It was an unusual situation because of the fact it was made public without him being charged. It put him in a horrible position because of that. And it was covered as a media story because of that, because Parker police acknowledged that he was the subject of an investigation, again, without charges. And he wasn't charged. He said he was glad it was resolved. 
He's happy to be moving forward. He spoke about glowingly about being a father, saying his son's name will be uh, Valor, V-A-L-O-R. So again, it was interesting to hear him talk about all this, but he did say that, and I will read it directly, his quote regarding the investigation involving the Parker police. Um, He said, end quote, we wanted to get everything resolved and hopefully and gratefully we got everything resolved. Everything is done and we're just focusing on football right now. That's all it is. Everything is resolved and I'm in a great place to put all that stuff behind me and just focus on football. To be here with the Denver Broncos for another year and be around my teammates and joke with all the guys, I'll tell you what, some of these guys are uglier in person. You see all these guys on Instagram when they announce they're coming to our team, but you see them in person. These guys are ugly, man. It's good to be around them and joke and have that funny stuff in the locker room. So that's Vaughn, obviously having uh, creating some levity at the end of that answer. That's Vaughn on regarding uh, the Parker Police investigation. Uh, the records were sealed in that case, so nothing really has come out about it, and he was not charged. He said, which was interesting, he didn't really doubt that he was coming back to the Broncos at $18 million. There was, again, there was some uncertainty there. They did go after Leonard Floyd briefly, saw the price tag. They basically came back to Bronco, uh, came back to Vaughn and said, let's run it back for one more year with uh, Vaughn and Bradley Chubb. But he said he was he's happy to be here. He's, he's not surprised that he felt like in his mind that this was going to happen. He's talked in the past about wanting to finish his career as a Bronco. So, again, uh, he had a little more optimism about maybe privately he did not share that same optimism, but he seems happy to be a Bronco. I know his teammates are thrilled he's back because Vaughn is a leader in his own way. In the, in the way he is a glue guy in a locker room, brings people together. And so he's back, and guys are happy his ba- he's back. Um, he, he did think, and I asked him, can you get back to the player you feel like you were before the ankle injury and be a you know still a dominant player? And he said that he could play a game right now. He couldn't have in December. He admitted he was being delusional. He wasn't coming back last season. But there's no reason he can't be a Pro Bowl type player. And I, I think he can. He's told he said, you know, that type of play has never left me. And <laughs> when he answered my question about, you know, his mindset. Going into this season, he said, you know, I'm just refocused with that same fire and that same intensity and just to grind it out. I'm still running around here beating everybody's ass. So I feel like 30s, what? Until I see otherwise, I'm going to keep doing it and I'm going to keep going. I like the edge to him. And he told me, remember last year around this time, he had told us he was inspired by Michael Jordan's last dance. He was inspired by Kobe uh, Bryant's passing to be a more demanding leader of his teammates, to hold them more accountable. I mean, those guys lead in ways that made them hated at times by their teammates. I don't think Yvonne will ever get to that, but he is first in line in drills again. He He's leading by example. That's always a good thing. And when your best player is one of your hardest workers, that can always be a good thing for a team. But his head's certainly in the right place. He's not talking like a guy who's, this could be his last year in Denver. I personally think that's a possibility, depending on his uh, production. But I've always been a guy who's ride or die with Vaughn. I want to see him stay here and finish his career, even though I'm, you know, I'm not being naive. I know that rarely happens. It didn't happen with DeMarcus Ware. It was a Cowboys legend. 
But that's, if you could believe it, that's kind of where the age that Vaughn is now that when DeMarcus came to Denver. So this is a big season for Vaughn. Can he show he's part of a team that can turn it around, get to 10-7, and get in the playoffs, be a team that's a threat in the AFC again? And because of him and his play, that would be fantastic. And, you know, maybe, you know, buy a new contract and have him play and finish out his career here. But he's certainly motivated. And I love the fact that uh, he understands and is really recognizing where he's at in his career. You know, that, that window to play is certainly uh, closing. The window to win is certainly closing. And he admitted that when Rod Smith addressed the team prior to Monday's OTAs. And you all know Rod Smith, wide receiver on two Super Bowl champion teams, 97-98, one of the greatest undrafted free agents of all time in NFL history. And Rod talked about accountability and setting the standard. And Vaughn said that, yeah, we'd always hear these veterans when I've been a Bronco and it would always be great. But he admitted, like, you know what, it's hitting home now because he's not far from far removed from those players. Like, he can see his own end to this journey. And he understands that, as he basically said, I'm tired of the Chiefs beating our ass. I want to win. And if he plays up to expectation, which for me would be Pro Bowl player, 12 sacks, if he plays like that, the Broncos' chances of winning increase. It'd increase a lot more if he played quarterback well, but uh, they increase. But what we heard from Vaughn was a good sign. He seems like he's in a good place. I know his teammates feel that way. They're seeing the same Vaughn they saw before the ankle injury and the dislocated tendon in his ankle last year. So we'll see how this plays out. But he is in a good place. And that's a positive for the Broncos, which brings us to our final topic of the day, and that is Cortland Sutton. As much as a healthy Von Miller is important to the Broncos for a number of reasons, which I've outlined, including his leadership, let's not, you know, understate the importance of Cortland Sutton returning to the Broncos. Cortland Sutton is unique to the Broncos' offense. He is open when he's covered. He draws more penalties than Nathan McKinnon. He is a guy that's a playmaker. He's big on third down. And he is a security blanket for a Drew Locke or Teddy Bridgewater. And obviously, if Aaron Rodgers is here, he is he becomes his Devontae Adams. And I'm not saying he's Devontae Adams, but he becomes you know a guy that could have 12, 13, 14 touchdowns with a quarterback like that. I mean, in a blank. So, But Cortland Sutton talked about his recovery from ACL surgery. Remember, he had basically a lost season last year, not unlike Vaughn. He hurt his shoulder, and I think was, you know, being a little careless, diving for a ball in warm-ups. I love the effort, but he hurts his shoulder before the opener doesn't play, uh, and then he gets frustrated on an interception and chases down a guy at Pittsburgh and tears his ACL, and he was frustrated. But his approach to that injury was very refreshing. And it was not unlike Bradley Chubb, where Chubb, I don't know if you all remember, but he said he was grateful he tore his ACL because like it reset him and reminded him of the hard work he had to do. And I've told Bradley since that I don't know anyone that could say that and be grateful because that injury, that injury used to turn great athletes into former athletes. I mean, it, we just dismiss, that's ACL, it's Tommy John, they all come back. It's still different for everyone. And it's not assured they're always going to come back better. You know, certainly when they do it and what age matters. But Cortland Sutton basically allowed himself a few minutes to grieve when he found out about that news last year. And then he just became relentlessly positive. And, you know, as 
Vic Fangio described it. He had this infectious uh, personality and energy in the weight in the weight room, in the training room, with other guys rehabbing. Cortland himself credits Vaughn for inspiring him because they were rehabbing together, obviously, for much of last season. He credits Vaughn for giving him videos to remind him of, hey, don't be poor me and be that guy of why me. And Cortland pointed out one specific example of a video he watched of Adrian Peterson. And Adrian Peterson tore his ACL in 2011 and then came back to lead the NFL in rushing in 2012, 2,097 yards. And Cortland talked about how that's a video he still watches to this day, uh, the Adrian Peterson story. Honestly, Peterson is the standard for recovery in ACL. Eight months after tearing his ACL, he ends up rushing. He returns to the regular season and rushes for almost 2,100 yards. I don't understand. I don't see any reason from what I've seen of Cortland sitting on the practice field. I don't see any reason why he can't return and be wildly productive, and that means 1,200 yards. I think this is the first time he does, you know, real chance to get 10 touchdowns. Um, and it's not just the stats. He provides a presence. He's a physical presence just from his size, but he provides a physical presence in the huddle and a leadership presence. Yes, the quarterback's the leader, but remember, if they have the quarterback derby, it's hard for a quarterback to assert himself as a leader until he knows he's the starter. We've been down this road with Simeon and Lynch, Simeon and Mark Sanchez. It's hard to be the guy with your teammates when you haven't been told you're the guy. But with Sutton, where he can really make a difference, and I asked him about this, is with Jerry Judy and Hamler. But Judy specifically last year, he grew frustrated with his lack of targets at times. He certainly grew frustrated with himself with the drops. And I think there were, I saw instances in games where I think, man, if Sutton were out there in the huddle, I think he could have calmed him down, offered a quick pointer, and maybe, uh, you know, prevented a, a one drop from becoming two or two from becoming three, as in that Chargers game last year. And Sutton admitted that, that he's like, now I'm in the huddle with him. Now I can talk to him in real time. I don't have to wait for a couple of days. And he can bounce ideas, pinball it, as he said, ideas off each other. That's only going to make them better. And Jerry Judy said this week that, you know, his number one goal is he's got to catch the ball better this offseason. He's working on the jugs gun after practice. And that's why I always remain bullish on Jerry Judy. He's a worker. You don't get through Alabama as a star because of a guy who's taking shortcuts. Nick Saban has that famous video you can find on Twitter or Google it. But he tells players, tells people, don't have that butt in your story. He's a great guy. He, he likes his teammates, but he, he shows up on time. He has good grades, but he tells him, don't have a but in your story. And that's Jerry Judy grew up in that environment. And so he's responded to what was uh, a rookie year that to him wasn't disappointing, but did not live up to expect expectations by working harder. And having Sutton around is only going to make him better. Sutton will raise his level of play. Obviously, they are dependent somewhat on the quarterback, and there's only so high you can go as a receiver in terms of your production without effective quarterback play. But Sutton being there with Judy will help Judy. I have no doubt about that. Now, would could Judy be gone in a trade uh, with Rodgers? Who knows? Again, that's all speculation right now. But for the Broncos this week to get back to work, 90% roughly attendance at OTAs, they look improved because they're healthier. 
having Sutton, their best offensive player, returning, and Von Miller, one of their greatest defensive players, returning. It has provided an energy. It's provided a spark. Guys have been impressed with Pat Sertain, the number one overall pick, just his size, his technique. Nothing about him makes him seem like a rookie. So there's some positives. But there's also the reality of it's May. It's a long way to go. And with the Broncos, they're in prove-it mode. I mean, that's the reality of this. So when training camp opens on July 27th, that's when we'll start getting a real feel. Can this team decide on a quarterback? Clearly, if it's Rodgers, that's not a worry. Can it decide on a quarterback in a couple of weeks and get to be a functional offense and be a team that can get off to a 3-0 start to give itself a chance to reach the postseason? And we'll see. We'll see where it goes from here. But it was fun to be out there to, and watch practice uh, earlier this week, see the players, and everything is pointing Broncos country to having full attendance at both the regular season games and training camp. And it will be a welcome sight to be out there at training camp, to see you all there and the energy you all bring. I know the players miss it, and it makes a difference. We can only look to the NHL and NBA playoffs to notice that how much difference fans can make in the support of their team. So thanks again, as always, for the support you've given me on this podcast. We're just a crazy number of downloads five weeks into this. Uh, we're going to continue to get good guests. We're going to continue to move this forward and build this program as we lead into training camp. Thanks, as always, to my great sponsors. That's Superbook Sports. Check them out. Check out their app. And Hoggett Injury Law, my friend Darby Hoggett. Thanks to both of my sponsors and my son, Dagan, for producing the podcast. And again, I do this podcast for you all. The happiness, that begins with me. So go out there and have a great day. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.